at this time. <clears throat> if, if any of you guys were not at the mini feast, you missed part one. It was good. I heartily recommend looking it up and, and watching it. I'm, I'm don't know if it's available yet, but I believe it will. No, never mind. If you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> Maybe we can prevail upon you to, to give, the, give that lesson again because it was fantastic. But at this time, Steve, if you will come with our sermon, A Study in Seeds, Part 2. Uh, he's right. <laughs> I, I picked a subject that there's a lot more to it than, uh, than I thought, and um, it tends to uh, uh, be a very long um, message. It's interesting, the Bible in Isaiah, the 28th chapter, I didn't give this to Brian, but it says, whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, and drawn from the breast. And he goes on to say, precept for precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And God has put the Bible together in a way that you really have to search it out. You know, it says study to show yourself approved unto God. Search the scriptures. And so consequently, um, sometimes that's a, that's, a uh, good requirement that we come up with ways in which we can search the scriptures and look at the word and, and pull out certain things. And that's one of the things that, that I did for this Bible study. I just picked one word. And uh, it's interesting, I found that even the word bread might be a very interesting Bible study. I, someone was mentioning that and I, I thought, well, yeah, I'll look and see. And sure enough, there's a lot, lot to even that one. <laughs> When I was bringing that up, I, 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 uh, I wasn't all the way to uh, Genesis 1 when I quoted about how many verses and how many matches. There's 254 verses um, that the word seed is in and 280 matches. So it, it turns out to be quite a, quite a study. So I won't try to go through all those today, I promise. And this is part two. And, and what I'd like to do is just very quickly go over the four what I did is I divided it in, as I was studying through this, um, I found out that it seemed like there was uh, various parts that this could be dropped into, various um, uh, thoughts, ideas. And so I put it into eight different categories. Creation versus evolution is one. Progeny or lineage or um, human seed is two. Wicked is three. Number four is covenant. Number five would be prophetic, number six royal, number seven was parable, and number eight was spiritual. And uh, it, it's interesting, the very first one just ruins evolution. <laughs> evolution can't, can't stand against God's creation. Uh, you, the more that you read, their scientific explanations, the more you realize they, they just don't have an explanation for the diversity, for the complexity, for the beauty. 
and for all that God has created. And the fact that seeds, if they're, you know, if they're not hybrid, not GMOs, but heirloom type, which what, what we call them heirloom seeds, those original seeds that God created. In the beginning, when he created the earth, and he set them on the earth, you find that they produce time after time after their own kind. You can grow a tomato plant, and what happens? That seed then grows into the same plant, and then you get the seeds you can take and you can plant it the next year. And you, see, you get the same plant, and you get the same seeds from that and continue on and on. And those things are something that God has created that we can look at. And it is a, a, a tremendous blessing to be able to, to understand that, to understand the creation. In Hebrews, and it's my favorite, one of my favorite ones, Hebrews 11, 6. If <clears throat> you have to believe that God is. You have to believe that God is. In other words, you have to start from the beginning. You have to say, God is a creator. He is created. So you have to prove that God created. So you start from this foundation, and then he says, and you also have to believe that he is a rewarder them who diligently seek him. He rewards those who study his word, who pray to him, who live this way to the best you know, as God teaches them and, and trains them. So those are things that we understand and, and live by in this way of life. So the first one was creation versus evolution. If you look at those, you see that there is perfection, there is diversity, there is, um, and the seeds are uh, a part of that. The second one was uh, progeny or lineage. Uh, God, by, by and far, by far, is the uh, greatest one to keep the lineage uh, of all nations, of all peoples. Uh, the ancestries from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve on down through the ages, God has kept track of those progeny, uh, especially his, his children, the children of Israel, but also all of mankind. He keeps track of them, and he has, a, he has a book that he writes in. There's a book of remembrance. He writes in that, and he keeps track of that. And you can go through, and you can look, and, and that reference, in, especially in the King James, on that seed, on the, that lineage, all the way from Adam and Eve, after the God kind. He created us. He created us with that in mind, that we would be in his kingdom. Unfortunately, verse number three, I, I started looking and there's a wicked seed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you really don't want to think about, but there are those that are wicked in the, in the world, and there are the, what is called the wicked seed. And so consequently, there's scriptures in there that go through that, and you can look that up. And number four is the covenant seed, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons, all the way down. And as I said, I, we don't know. We really don't know whether we're part of that, that God is calling his Israelitish people out of, out of the world. We may be. We may be part of that. We do know that through Jesus Christ we have a connection. And we're going to get to that right at the end. I want to bring that out. 
I think that's so very, very important and, and uh, appreciate Matt's message. Um, let's look at the, number five, prophetic. Let's go to Genesis 3.15 because almost from the beginning there has been a, a war, a, um, a, a seed war, a lineage war, whatever you want to call it. I'm not just exactly sure, but he said in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise your heel, and you shall bruise, or he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is prophetic about that lineage of, uh, down through, uh, and prophetic about Christ and his death, resurrection, and how that, that all of that, uh, that Satan will be put away. I mean, it's right there. It's prophetic. So let's skip on to Isaiah now 6 and verse 13. And as you say, you could probably, you could probably develop messages on all of these and look through that. But I want to, and as I said, because it's so wide and so, so much, I will only be able to hit the, the highlights. But if you want to study it, get out Strong's Concordance, get out your favorite iPad, um, uh, or a computer program that has the uh, um, search engine in it, and go look at the word seed and find all of those 240, 254 verses and see how they fit in. Look at them. Uh, it's an interesting study. But anyway, to continue on, I would like to, to, to be able to, to finish this up today. And, and um, 6 verse 13. Isaiah 6, verse 13. But yet, in it shall be a tenth. Actually, I really probably ought to pick up verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he said, answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and land be utterly desolate. And the Lord had moved men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet, in it shall a tenth and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be substance thereof. <laughs> Another one of those that you, could, you might be able to take and, and study and look into and in depth go through, think about, meditate, see if there's connecting scriptures to that. These are thoughts, these are ideas, bringing them out. Isaiah 17 Beginning in verse 9. In that day shall his strong cities be a forsaken bough, an uttermost branch, which they left because of the children of Israel. And there shall be desolation, because you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not been mindful of the rock of your strength. Therefore shall you plant pleasant plants and shall set it with strange lips. And in, in the day shall you make your plant to grow, and in the morning shall you make your seed to flourish, but the harvest shall be a heap and the day of grief and of, and of desolate sorrow, or desperate sorrow. Woe to the multitude of many people which make noise like the noise of the seas, to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. And see, you could take that and, and look at those different things. So let's go to Isaiah, the 44th chapter. Remember that, that we're, we're studying just the word seed, and, and it's interesting, 
like any Bible study, as you see something, you're, it grabs your attention, it grabs your thoughts, and you begin to then, hey, I, I think I can study this, I can go here or I can go there, and I can look that particular thing up. And your thoughts are, are moved in that area. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord that made, made you and formed you from the womb, which will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And I will pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing upon your offering. I will pour my spirit upon your seed. Now look at the... Uh, covenant promise there. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Some of these are just some, a single verse with the word seed in it. Some of them are multiple verses that kind of give you a, a little, little idea. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Isaiah 53, the one that we read on Passover about Christ. It's interesting what it says here. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. As far as we know, Christ was never married, did not have any seed. But there's an interesting scripture in the Bible that we'll get to towards the end here that will explain all of that. And I think Christ looks forward to that day. Tremendous day when we're in that kingdom and we're a part of what he has created. Verse 20, chapter 59. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion to them that turn from the transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of your seed's seed, says the Lord, from hereafter forever and ever. Prophetic look into the kingdom of God. When God's word will be everywhere and the children, our children and the children's children will know the word of God. And they will understand the word of God. Today we have many against us in this way of life. And it's getting worse. In verse 8 of chapter 61, I didn't have that one down. I just have verse 9. But I wanted to pick this up. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. And all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. The seed which the Lord has blessed. Interesting, isn't it? In Amos, the ninth chapter, the last scripture in this in this particular uh, Amos 9. Beginning of verse 13. Behold the days come, said the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper 
and the treader of the grapes, him that sows seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. But I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit thereof. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled out of their land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. One of these days, after Christ has to come back and, and bring the kingdom of God to this earth because man will about destroy himself off of this face of this earth, there will be a change, a great change, a tremendous change that will come. And the land will produce tremendous amount of production of seeds and wine and all of the finery. And there will be so much that they won't be able to keep up with it because God will bless the earth and he'll bless those on the earth and he'll bless his children on the earth. I look forward to that day. I hope you do too. Category number six is royal. The royal seed. Let's go back to Psalm now. Let's go back to Psalm. We're going to go to Psalm 18. If I get to Psalm 18. This thread is, is so important for us to understand um, Christ's uh, connection uh, to David and what we have the hope in. Psalm 18 and verse uh, 50. Psalm 18 and verse 50. Great deliverance gives he to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. This is only one verse, many, 89. It says in the Bible that David was a man after God's own heart. But David was a man, and David was also a bloody man. He was also a man who, who could go to war. He was also a man who could repent, who could see his sins. And so God promised David some very wonderful things. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. Your seed will I establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Now, if we believe that there is a God, and we believe that he has all he's all-powerful, we must believe these royal seed uh, prophecies about the descendants of David. Beginning in 20, of eight, of the same chapter, 89, beginning in verse 20. I have found David my servant with my whole, I, uh, I have found David my servant with my holy oil have I anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established, my arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and my name shall be, uh, shall his horn be exalted, or in my name shall his horn be exalted. And I will set my hand also in the sea, and in his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn, 
higher than the kings of the earth. Now, see the connection? You can begin to see the connection, don't you? Who we're talking about, the lineage that we're talking about, that seed, that royal seed. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne is the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law, I walk not in my judgments. It's interesting that God, <laughs> there was a, okay, yeah, maybe they're, they're, they're men. All of sin to come short of the glory of God. There is a potential that they might break my covenant. If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. <laughs> we just got through singing about faithfulness. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Salah. Think on those things. Think on what is written in the word of God. Uh, uh, I had Dan 1-3 here because uh, when the Babylonians took um, those captive, they wanted the royal seed. They didn't want the other seed. They wanted that royal seed. They wanted someone in that royal lineage, and they took Daniel and they took uh, three others. Let's go to Matthew, the second chapter. Skip that one verse. Go to Matthew, the second chapter. As we look now, come down and we look at that royal seed, Jesus Christ. We're all aware of this. We all know this, but it's, it's good to, to go over, to review it, to think about it, and to, to have it back into our minds. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And what is written here doesn't flesh these individuals out very much. But they may have been more than what uh, we see here. They, uh, they were actually looking for the king that was to come. They knew the prophecies. And they may have been a part of Israel. We don't, you know, I, I've studied this a little bit. I'm not 100% sure I understand it completely. But there was something very, very uh, interesting about these individuals. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, thus for it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. That's in Micah 5, verse 2, if you're interested. Then Herod, when he 
had secretly called the wise men, inquired of them at diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search diligently for the young child. And when they have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Well, obviously it wasn't just a star. It was moving in a position. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Now, Jesus was already a little older at this particular time. It just says child. We don't know exactly how old, but it wasn't, he wasn't a baby in a manger. He was a child. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some of the, this, these were gifts of the wealthy. These were gifts for the royal. And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. And when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take, your, uh, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be you there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. He also was understanding the prophecies of the potential king that would come along to rule over his people. In John, the seventh chapter, John 7. Just one verse here, I think, is all I have. It says in verse 42, And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that then that he says, I come from heaven? Jesus therefore uh, answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. And so, <clears throat> we understand the lineage. We understand through Matthew. Uh, I, I mentioned that when we were at the Bible study that they, you know, they sing that. <laughs> uh, that, and that Behold the Lamb, that Matthew lineage, he is, he's a part of that. So let's go to Acts, the 13th chapter now. Acts 13. They had no respect for, for Jesus, even though he came <laughs> as their king. Beginning of verse 21. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave them Saul, and we're picking up this history, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. When he had removed him, he raised up to them David to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed has God, according to his promise, raised to Israel a Savior, Jesus, whom John had first preached before his coming, uh, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And let's see if, and, verse tw and I think that was as far as I wanted to, to go. Of this man's seed 
as God, according to his promise, raised Israel a Savior, Jesus. He is of the royal lineage, the royal lineage, the royal seed. Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. Concerning his son, well, let's just read from the beginning. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So we see the royal lineage from David to Jesus Christ and declared to be the Son of God with power according to to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Let's go to 2 Timothy now. I try to make these in, in order so they <laughs> you wouldn't have to be jumping around. 2 Timothy 2 and, and verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Verse one, just verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, the offspring, the progeny of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And I'm going to skip that one. Now this, I, I read this, but I think it's still important at the, um, at the Bible study. But I still think it's one of, the most, one of those more important ones to, to go back and look at, and that's Matthew, the 13th chapter. This parable, the, in fact, these two parables that are written in here are quite interesting and quite profound. Let's begin in verse 3. I, I know I didn't give that one to, to, uh, to Brian, but I'd, I'd like for us to just listen to the, the parable as he gave it to those that were standing around. The same day when Jesus went out of the house and sat in the seaside, great multitude were gathered together to him so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore and listened to what he had to say. He gave this parable. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell on the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they, they had not much earth, and immediately they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who has an ear to hear? Let him hear. You know, sometimes it's very hard <laughs> to sow seeds and get them to grow and to come up. If your soil's not right, your soil's not good, um, if you haven't fertilized correctly, they wither, and we were the only ones that could plant uh, artificial plants in the house and they would die. So we figured that uh, it's really hard for us to put the real thing out and, and, and get much produce out of it. But in this parable, he was talking to them. They, they still didn't understand, but it was on their level that he was bringing this message to them. And the disciples came to him and said, why speak you in parables? And he answered, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. It is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. God has opened the word of God up 
He's opened his word so we can read it. We can open that Bible and we can understand these truths. So let's go over here. Let's pick it now up in... Um, let's see if I... That's verse 20. Now let's see. Verse 18. Beginning of verse 18. Matthew 13, verse 18. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. Here's it explained. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one, that's the devil, catches away that which was sown in their heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and anon with joy receives it. So there's some that listen and they hear it. They hear the word. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. It takes a lot, of, you know, a lot of God's Holy Spirit sometimes to endure certain things in the world. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitful of riches chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. How many times has the world captured people and taken them away from this way of life, from the truth of the word, just whoops away, even though they've been in this way for a long time, or they believe a lie. They believe a lie. But he that received the seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Remember, God commands that we bear fruit, that we are part of the vine, that we grow in that way. And here, the second part of this, the second parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to the man that sowed good seed in the field. So he sowed good seed. But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Not just like Satan. He wants to mess things up. He wants to make it more difficult for us. Sometimes even during the holy days, before the holy days, we have trials and tribulations that come up, difficulties that seem to arise. And it's just like he doesn't want us to be a part of the, the good seed that's growing up. He doesn't want us to be that good seed to, to produce that hundred or sixty or thirty fold. And so he so there's, there's these tares that come in. But when the blade is swung and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said to him, Sir, did you sow good seed in your field? From where then are these tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Will you then that we go and gather them up? And he said, No, no. Lest while you gather the tares, you also, you know, Root up that good wheat, those good seeds out there. Wait, just wait. Let both grow together until the, the harvest. And the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together, first the tares. Go out, angels, and gather those wicked ones out. Take care of them. Get them out of there. And then, he said, then, and bind them and burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. I guess there is going to come a time of judgment. 
The final one, we still have a few minutes here, is the spiritual seeds. And some of this may be not quite as um, um, evident, but I still think that that has um, relevance in this particular message. One of my favorite chapters, 1 Corinthians 15. It's interesting that Paul, trying to explain the, <laughs> the resurrection, uses something so, so interesting, and that is the seed and how that seed has to die before it can make a new plant. In verse 35 it says, but, uh, let me make, well, yeah, let's just pick it up at 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? That's a very interesting and profound question. You fool, that which you sow is not made alive except it die. I mean, this is extremely scientific. You put a seed in the ground, it looks like it's, it looks dead, doesn't it? All seeds look like there's nothing there. And you put it in the ground, and it grows up. And that which you sow, you sow not that body that shall be, but bore grain that it may chance of weed or of other grain. But, but God gives it the body as it has pleased him, and to every seed its own body. There's a variety of seeds. There's a variety of the way. And I, I found a YouTube um, uh, video. I think it was, um, I'm not sure it was hardwood seed. It took eight months for that seed to germinate, to bring up this little short tree. Eight months. Sat there in the shade. Died. You could see then that, that it was a time lapse. They must have sat right on top of it, let that thing take pictures, constantly taking pictures of this seed as it died, and then that root went into the ground, leaves came up, and here this tree came. Eight months later, you had this tree. God, with this, this example, Paul was inspired. That seed that dies comes up, and it's different than what it was when you put it in the ground. And that produces the wheat, or whatever that seed is. Spiritually speaking, in, second, in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 11, beginning of verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Understanding that that spirit of God and our spirit of man come together and make a new, a new person. We have to be buried. We have to die. That's baptism. We have to die. And then we come up. It's all, it's all kind of tied together, isn't it? He's showing us 
that those are kind of tied together. We die in baptism as Christ died. And we are raised a new person, a new creature, a new creation. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, says this. Paul says, beginning in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, creature a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Colossians 3, verse 10. I don't want to miss this here. Once again, also. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. And you can read the rest of that. To understand that new creature, that new creation that we were buried, and once we received that Holy Spirit, now we're new and growing in grace and knowledge and understanding. First Peter I know it's in here somewhere. There it is. Beginning in, in verse, um, chapter 1, and beginning in verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which the gospel is preached to you. All flesh is grass. You know, but we have the hope because of that Holy Spirit, because it, <clears throat> it quickens us, abides in us. In 1 John, 1 John, the third chapter, and beginning in verse... Verse 9, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever does, does not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loves not his brother. And you can go on and read that, those words there. Let's go back now. As I said, there's a tie-in, a tremendous tie-in, to Jesus Christ and to Abraham. And it's found in Galatians. And Paul reveals this to us in a, in a tremendous way. And I, and I only had a few verses in that, that Brian had that I gave him. But I'm going to, uh, one verse actually. But I'm going to start, I'm going to start back here in verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And as I went through several of those uh, promises, tremendous promises, and he didn't even have a son at the time the promises were given. And they came and they said, hey, Sarah, you're going to have a child. And she was 99 years old. Maybe, 
around that age. <laughs> she laughed. She said, I'm, I'm past. I'm way past that time. The promises were made. He says, not to, to seeds as of many, but as to one. And your seed, which is Christ. You see the tie-in? You see where, how, how it comes down through the ages? And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that which was made, uh, should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance by for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. He promised Abraham the inheritance. He also promised the lineage, the seed, that it would come down through his inheritance. Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Then it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? And Paul always uses this because people rest with Paul's writings. They have a hard time with it. So consequently, yes, always put this in there. God forbid, for if there had been, uh, for if there had been, a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all are under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Remember the, the Israelites were chided because of their unbelief. They wouldn't go into the, to the kingdom because they didn't believe. And yet those promises were there. Tremendous promises. But before faith come, we were kept under the law, shut up to the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus. And that's because we have the, the Spirit of God in us. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. See, where, see how this works together? See how God is, is working this out? Even from the beginning. Even when that happened in the, in the garden. When they sinned in the garden. God would, had already he was working it out. That it would come to this. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. These are tremendous words. And they, they should encourage each and every one of us that we have a part in God's kingdom. We have a part through Jesus Christ. And in verse 29. This is interesting. I always thought this was so profound. And now we have a tie-in. If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to all of those promises. Now you are heirs. And it's even greater than, than that because he's going to use us in his kingdom. And not only going to be heirs, but we're going to be kings and priests in that kingdom. Or as Lawrence likes to say, maybe a kingdom of priests. And that may be true. You know, they had a lot of responsibility, the priests did. 
But tying it in all the way back and tying that in to Jesus Christ and, and Abraham and we're a part of that and we're heirs according to that promise, that is so tremendous. Well, brethren, that's my study on the seeds. So, um, I want you to maybe pick it up and do a little bit more and add some more, maybe some more uh, uh, parts to it or pick another one up and add some to it.